What is going on everyone? Jason Moppin here and you are listening to the Elevate Industries podcast. I hope you're having a wonderful week wherever this week may find you. Really appreciate all the feedback we've been receiving with the podcast. Please, if you like the podcast, give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of the other platforms you're listening to this on. It helps us stay out there. Also, please share it with one of your friends and get the word out there so more people can hear this message of hope. We're being listened to in over 23 countries right now, countries I've never had the privilege of, of being in, but due to technology, we're being listened to in over 23 countries. And I don't take that lightly. Thank you for supporting this podcast. Without our listeners, we would not be doing this. Thank you so much. The focus and the purpose behind this podcast is to bring awareness to mental health needs, provide education and help for those facing mental health issues in today's world. I know I say that every podcast, but I like to keep it out there. One, it helps me stay on point. That's our thesis statement helps me stay on point because I do not want to waste your time. I know it's valuable and ours is as well. So we don't want to waste each other's time and we want to stay on point and keep that focus on, you know, the mission statement of this podcast. Well, as Matthew McConaughey would say, all right, all right, all right. Let's get on with today's show talking about grief. Grief. This is not a popular topic. No one likes to experience grief. But if you have ever lost something in life, you have experienced grief. This past year, we lost over four different individuals, very special individuals in the Moppin household. First being my mother who passed this past August. She made it to her 78th birthday and she passed the next day, August 14th. So, um, that was a huge, huge blow to to me personally, but also my whole family. My mom was just such a ray of hope and sunshine growing up in a home where most of you know my story, a very tumultuous upbringing. My mom was our hope. You know, she had so much hope and she was such a survivor. So that was a huge, you know, tragic loss for us when we lost my mom. So then after my mom, um, about a month later, I lost one of my cousins, um, very sweet lady, and uh, I used to call her aunt instead of cousin Debbie, but Aunt Debbie, cousin Debbie, she, uh, such a sweetheart, such a sweetheart, um, always brought hope and a smile to everybody she met, and she passed away due to cancer, and my heart goes out to her and the rest of my family that's struggling with that loss. And then my good friend passed away in high school. He he was 38 years old, passed away from heart attack. And that was that was really shocking to me because, you know, you're not at 38 years old, you know, most you're not supposed to die, right? So um that was really pretty shocking to his family and to the rest of us that grew up with with him. And Mark, shout out to you up there, man. I know you're looking down with smiles on your face and we love you, buddy. Um, great memories with Mark growing up. Um, all these people, great memories with. A couple I want to share with Mark. I, Mark was the first guy that really, when I moved, my parents split up and we moved from Arizona to Oklahoma. 
and Mark was the, I was coming in halfway through my seventh grade year. So everybody has already made friends. I go into the principal's office and they have corporal punishment in Oklahoma. At least they used to when I went to school there and I wasn't used to this, right? Um, in schools, at least they had, they, they would give you, they could give you by law, they could give you up to three swats a day. So like paddlings, right? So if you were in woodshop, you made a paddle for your teacher or your principal that usually exempt you from getting a SWAT. But I wasn't in woodshop and I, I, I swear I got SWATs, three SWATs every day, most of my, you know, from, from seventh grade all the way until I graduated in my, um, in my, through high school. So, it was just crazy, man. But I remember going in the principal's office and the principal, you know, being like one of those like very stern, you know, principals. You remember Mr. Strickland off of Back to the Future. Strickland, you know, that guy, Mr. Strickland. He was like our principal, very stern man. Uh, and he had he laid that paddle, that wooden paddle down on his desk, my orientation when I came in. And he said, son. There's two types that come through my doors here. Like I'm being, like I'm going through prison. It felt like you know, um, but he said there's two types of people. You know, those that follow the rules and they go home with a smile on their face, and then there's those that don't follow the rules and they go home and they're they're rear end sore. So um, I was like, oh my gosh, what have I got myself into? So yeah, he could give you up to three swats a day. So I came out of his office with like a deer in headlight look. And there's Mark waiting to be in the principal's office to get his swats for the day. And uh, Mark has a big smile on his face. And he's like, it's not that bad, buddy. Give me a hug. It's, you know, the first time I met this guy. But smile from ear to ear. Gave me a big hug. And we immediately hit it off. And just just a, just a great guy. I remember one time we were teepeeing this young lady's house that went to school, Candace, if you're listening to this, it was us. We TP'd your house. Sorry. Um, but I wasn't a guy that liked to get caught. I, I just liked to, I didn't, I didn't care about the bragging rights. I just wanted to get in and get out and you know, that's it. Right. So, but Mark, he loved to, he loved the chase. So not only he wanted to TP their house, but he, he, he would want to ring the doorbell. The dude would literally ring the doorbell. And then we were on like, you know, you know, we weren't driving then. So we're running, we're sprinting through this neighborhood, trying not to get to caught. And we dive underneath this boat. There was this boat that was parked there, had a cover on it. We go underneath it. And he just, he had this laugh. He would just giggly laugh, just the Mark laugh, just giggling like crazy. And I put my hand over his mouth. I'm like, dude, you better shut up. I am not getting caught, man. And, um, just, just so many great memories with that dude. So it was a, it was a huge blow when, when I found out my buddy Mark passed and we love you, Mark. And then after that, um, my, my wife, this, this past year, my wife lost her, her grandmother on her dad's side. And she, um, you know, Marilyn Nags, shout out to her. She was just a, just a ray of sunshine as well. Just a delight and brought so much joy wherever she went. She used to be a smoker and she got cancer of the throat and they had to take her voice box out. Well, she loved to communicate. And this woman, no matter, even though she didn't have a voice box, you I'm not even joking, you could call her up on the phone and you would just talk to her 
and you know she would respond through messaging and, and type stuff back to you or and stuff but even when you were with her face to face you knew exactly what she was saying because you could read her lips such a great communicator and such a ray of sunshine and we miss you grandma we love you very very much so needless to say i tell you those stories not just because these people mean a lot to me but i know a thing or two about grief you know two years prior to this we lost our grandparents on my wife's you know mom's side so past several years for us past three years pretty much have just been boom 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 death 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 and people that are really close we're close to so we know what grief is and if you've experienced grief and it doesn't even have to be the loss of a, a, a loved one or a friend i'm not just talking about death grief is associated with anything that you have lost so maybe this past year you lost your job due to covid um that's that can be grief you're grieving this loss okay maybe you have lost went through a divorce recently and even if you thought this divorce was justified and it wasn't working, you're still going to have to go through that grief. You go through that grief of that person that you lived with for 20-something years or however long it may have, may have been. Um, but you go through that loss of that loved one that you were married to or you had a relationship with. So there's a, grief does, is not just for those that have lost somebody to death it's it's loss in general we go through grief right i was this past couple months i was i was called by a school in dublin ireland and they had a student that was tragically murdered on his way his commute um home and they're not they weren't in school but um he was tragically murdered and they called me up and they said, Jason, we need you to, you know, help us with our students. Our, our, they're just really feeling down right now. If you could bring a message of hope to them, that'd be great. And that's my job. But that, that's the worst part of my job. I got to be honest with you. There's downsides to every job, but that's the worst part of my job is going into a community where there's been a loss, where there's been a suicide or loss of life, in this case, due to, due to a murder, and having to lift everybody else up when they're just feeling physically down and one of the first things i do by doing that because if i go to a school and they don't have that they've never heard me before there's no loss there's no you know tragedy that i'm coming in there for i usually start off with humor but if i go into a school after there's been a loss you don't start off with humor i start off by addressing the issue at hand and i let them know that i'm grieving with them because it's always comforting when you know that someone cares for you enough to say, hey, I'm, I'm saddened by this too. I'm saddened. I didn't know this person, but I'm saddened by this because you're sad. And we can be sad together. And that emotion of being sad is a lot of times overlooked. Females, for whatever reason, growing up, are, they learn to process their emotions a lot better than males. Okay, men, we know how to deal with happiness and we know how to deal with anger. It's usually the only two emotions that it's not the only two emotions we go through, but it's how we deal with things. We happy or a lot of times when us males, we get sad, we deal with it through anger because tears, as if, if you grew up in a home like I did, which most people, you know, probably didn't because my home was a bit crazy and Maybe a lot of people did, 
Uh, but my father, you did not cry in front of. You did not show weakness to him because he would pounce on that weakness. So I learned to mask my weakness growing up. I learned to hide those emotions. And that really crippled me later on in life when I was dealing with different sad sadness or you know some some other emotion other than being happy i would deal with it by anger you know if someone hurt me i would deal with it by anger and also the scotch irish in me really doesn't <laughs> help with that but uh you know i think it was sigmund freud that said the um you know the irish are the only ones that are impervious to psychoanalyze <laughs> so it really doesn't help me that you know my my history my my heritage but um you know, I, I deal with that, man. I have to learn. You have to, and all of us guys, we have to learn how to deal with our emotions better. We got to talk through things a lot better. And some ladies are like that. They don't they don't know how to communicate their feelings uh, in a healthy way, okay? So communicating those feelings is, is the first step to overcoming grief. And whether you're communicating it to some a friend, a trusted friend, or you're communicating it in a journal, you need to describe the way you feel. You know, and you can start by saying, okay, this is how I feel. Write a, write a, something on a piece of paper. This is how I feel. And then put a blank there. Fill in that blank. And it might be angry. And then define that. How does angry feel? Well, it feels like throwing my fist through a wall. <laughs> well, what does that feel like? Well, that hurts. Why does it hurt? Well, because I lost my mother. Okay. Okay. There's the issue. And you defined it. I'm angry because I lost my mother. Well, okay, let's talk about that. And then you can start peeling back those layers, right? As in as in the movie Shrek, where Donkey's like, you know, Shrek's like, I'm like, I'm like an onion. I, I got layers, you know? So um, I can relate to that, man. So, but yeah, you know, grief, it sucks. There's just no way around it. You know, when we deal with loss of something, you know, there's just no way around it. And we have dealt with loss, um, of several loved ones this past year and have really gone through it. And I'm a believer um, in what I do. I use my pain for someone else's gain, okay? Now, hear that again. I use my pain for someone else's gain. And this is going to sound cheesy. It sounds like I'm Eminem and I'm rapping, right? But trust me, I, have, I don't have any ability to sit here and throw down the rhymes. But you know, I'm going to use my pain for someone else's gain so it will not be in vain. Did you hear that? I'm going to use my pain for someone else's gain so it will not be in vain. And you got to understand that. You got to do that, guys and girls out there. Because if you don't, then that person that you lost is, and that pain that you have um, is just going to is just going to be in, in vain. So we're going to talk about the the seven stages of grief. At first it was five stages of grief and then they, now it's seven stages of grief. In 1969, the lady that came up with the five stages of grief, her name is Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. She was a Swiss American psychiatrist, introduced a model regarding the five stages of grief. And she wrote it in a book called On Death and Dying. And this grief model was one of the first models used to help individuals recognize the stages of grief, and the effect it can cause. Okay, In the original book, Elizabeth Ross re referenced the five stages of grief, and those are denial, anger, 
bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And through time, however, different sources have added to these five stages of grief of what they believe is also different stages of grief. And while grief models are often used to help individuals who are grieving understand the process and how to move forward, not everyone experiences the same order, okay? So with, you know, denial, some people, you know, I've known that, that they've lost a loved one and they, they, they move right to acceptance. And for whatever reason, they are able to move right to acceptance and be like, okay, um, I accept this loss. I'm happy. My loved one is not in pain anymore. And usually this is because they've known this death is coming and they're prepared. All these deaths that I talked to you about this past year that happened in our family, we had no idea these deaths are coming. And those are a little bit hard to accept. Okay. But in any of these cases, you're not alone. When you go through grief, you need to realize that. I say that several times in my podcast. You are not alone. Okay. So the first stage of grief, shock and denial. Okay. So you can be like, man, I'm shocked and I have a lot of denial here. So I don't know what that may mean for you. Um, but the initial stage of grief, shock and denial, is typically the stage of grief when emotions are the most profound. These are a little bit raw. You know, you're, there's, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, like my friend passing away who was 38. There's no way. I was just talking to him or, you know, the other day on Messenger, I was just talk, talking to him. Or when my mom passed, you know, a month prior and he's like, man, your mom was like my, my second mom and I cannot believe she's dead. And I was just talking to him, and then all of a sudden he passes. And you have that denial, like, I cannot believe Mark is dead, you know? I cannot believe this. So you go through that shock and that denial. And that initial stage of grief, that shock and denial, is typically the stage when emotions are most profound, they're raw. And the fact that you have experienced a loss may be evident, but you may still have underlying feelings of shock or disbelief. And during this stage, many people experience physical symptoms such as nausea. Believe it or not, you know, it can make you feel nauseous. Feelings of, as they're watching someone else's life on a movie screen, you know, or if they're detached from the reality of what has, what has really happened, okay? They're, they're in denial. I cannot believe this person passed. And the next stage of grief is pain and guilt. And you move on to pain and guilt after you have experienced this shock and denial. Once your shock starts to fade, you'll notice the pain. And this pain sets in usually. It's just like it's a come down. You're just like, oh, man, I cannot believe this. The shock has worn off that your relative or, or whatever. Like I said, it doesn't have to be death. It's whatever you lost. It's happened. The the you know the being numb to it, the denial. It's worn off, and this is when it first starts to hit you. A lot of people get ill during this time because they physically ill because the their adrenaline has slowed down, and they start to feel ill, and they realize that their loss that they had is real that divorce that's coming or they just had is real the job that they lost is real the loved one that they just lost that just passed away 
It's real. And that pain becomes extremely difficult to handle. Okay. And it, it may feel physical as well as emotional. Like I said, a lot of people get sick during this time. You may even start to feel guilty about something you could have done or should have done. You know, I know people, friends of mine that have been in combat zones in war that are in service to our great nation who have lost friends over there. There's what's called survivor's guilt. Why did I come home? And they didn't, you know, and they go through. And that's during that, that after the shock and denial, they're like, man, I'm never seeing this person again. That's when the pain and guilt comes in. And man, I, if I would have done this, or I, I could have done this, maybe this person could still be alive. And even if it's illogical, you go through that. Like I could have, maybe I could have helped them or saved them or done something if I would have done this. And during this stage, it's normal to wonder if you could have done something that would have prevented the loss or feel remorse for not being able to make peace with the lost loved one. You know, it's, it's a normal feeling. And although these feelings can feel overwhelming, they are natural emotions related to guilt. And it's important to acknowledge these feelings as part of the healing process. Next is anger and bargaining. Anger and bargaining. It's not uncommon for someone who is grieving to experience feelings of anger or frustration. Sometimes we can get caught in a loop here where we are so frustrated, you know, maybe with ourselves, angry at the situation. Um, some may feel angry with the person that had pa that has passed. You know, you you hear situations like this where. Um, you know, some people that are married, they have a love, their, their spouse has passed away and they're like, how could you leave me here with the kids alone, shaking their fist at, at God, maybe, you know, angry with a higher power saying, how could you do this? Why, how would a loving God leave me here alone? And those are normal feelings. And I love, you know, you guys have heard my podcast, so you, you know that I'm a person of faith. I, I've had times like that where I have been angry with God. I really have. And I love it in the book of Isaiah where he says, come, let's reason together. So if you have problems or anger with God, shout it out. Shout it out. I encourage that because he's not threatened by your anger. He loves you. He cares for you. And he can deal with that. Okay. He's big enough to deal with your emotions there. He gave, he gave you those emotions for a reason. So he says that, come, let's reason together. But people have this, this anger, you know, and they, they blame others. Sometimes, you know, you blame a family member. Well, if this, you would have done this, then that wouldn't have happened. And, and usually that comes because that person's not accepting responsibility for themselves. And they have a lot of guilt themselves about the death. So they're trying to blame others for the death that has happened. And during this time, some people who are grieving may try to bargain. That's where that bargaining comes in for a chance to have things end up different. Like, God, if you bring this person back, that sounds crazy, but this happens. If you bring this person back and change the outcome, then I will give up drinking forever or I will never, I'll become a monk and, you know, <laughs> whatever and live in the hills the rest of my life, whatever it may be. But that bargaining comes into play. 
And then the last is depression, um, reflection, and um, loneliness, okay? So that depression comes in after the anger and bargaining. You have accepted that they are, they have passed. You have, you have gone through that anger. You have gone through that pain and guilt. You have um, went through the shock and denial. So now depression, reflection, and loneliness. This is when that comes in. And during this stage of grief, in my opinion, this is the hardest part of it because you feel incredibly alone. During this stage of grief, a grieving person generally begins to reflect upon the loss they experienced and how it's affected their life. How there's got to be a new normal. We hear about, hear that. There's got to be a new normal. And I hate that phrase, you know, especially because of this last year. And you've heard, you know, different cliche phrases like, we're in this together. And, you know, there's got to be, there's a new normal. And you're like, I don't want a new normal. I wanted this to be normal, right? So we have those. But that depression sets in, realizing that I'm never going to speak, be able to speak to this person on this earth again. And my mom was that for me, man. Like she was... If I was ever discouraged in life, I could call my mom up no matter what time of day it was. She was usually a night owl. So I'd call her up at night if I woke up, you know, at night and call, hey, mom, how you doing? I'm doing well. And she could hear by the tone of my voice how I was doing. That's how, what a great mom I had. And she'd be like, and she would just go into like a, what I would call like an encouraging assault, just assault, assaulting me with encouragement. And it felt so great, man, just injecting hope into me and just lift me up, man. She was so good at that. So you start realizing those moments aren't going to happen again on this earth again. You know, you're not going to be able to experience that again. Or you have gone through a divorce and you feel alone and you're, you look at your other friends and they're happily married and with kids and you're like, man, am I always going to be alone? And you, you think to yourself, am I worthy of love? The answer is yes. Let me answer that for you. The answer is yes. But these are feelings of depression and we start reflecting. You reflect on the good times you had with this person that maybe you've lost or the situation you're going through of loss. You reflection, times of depression, loneliness. And this beginning of de- grief, this grief begins, you know, and it's healthy. It hurts. And I wouldn't wish it on anybody, but it, but it's healthy. And the reality of the loss may, may be felt more during this stage because, you know, your attempts for the bargain have, you know, that's not going to happen. You know, you know, that's not going to be realistic for this person to come back. And the withdrawal from others to deal with feelings of grief. You start withdrawing from people and wanting to be alone more. And it's common. That's a common occurrence during this stage. Because nobody likes to be around people when they're grieving. At least I don't. So I withdraw. And sometimes this can be healthy because you need to be alone at times. But it it can get to a point where it becomes unhealthy. Because we need people in our lives to help us. While personal time isn't while personal time is important, it's also crucial to have a support system of people to lean on during the stage of grief. Okay, and guys, especially man, I keep going back to us guys because we're not so great at reaching out for help in this because we think uh, judgment, we fear judgment. 
someone's going to judge us for our feelings. You know, like I said, um, me as a kid, you know, I would never, man, I don't ever remember really having a, a conversation with my father, like, you know, opening up and being vulnerable with him. And that, that's very sad because I have those conversations all the time with my kid, but I was taught to me at an early age to hide that. It felt it was weakness. I felt, and I know now it's not because that vulnerability is strength. It takes someone of great strength to be vulnerable, and that's part of being a man too. Is saying, "Hey, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna recognize this. I'm gonna accept it. I'm gonna allow the emotions to come. I'm gonna deal with them in an appropriate way, and I'm gonna talk this through like a man. I'm not gonna throw my fist through the wall. Get a punching bag." Throw some punches at the punching bag, okay? Don't beat up your home. <laughs> um, but finally, um, just when you think there can't possibly be anything good coming ever again, you start to feel a little bit better each day. And it may feel so slight that you don't even realize it at first. You know, it's just an upward turn, they call it. And and you won't feel happy all at once. It's not going to all of a sudden just like snap your fingers. It's all back to normal. What you may feel is a little less pain and a little less sadness and more being okay, more of being okay. So I grew up for the most part of my life in Arizona, and uh, we, we would take frequent trips to San Diego. And if you've, I remember being as young as seven years old, you know, looking at the Pacific Ocean and if you've never seen the Pacific Ocean, you, it is a sight to behold. The Pacific Ocean is massive, and the the waves for me that are over in the Pacific it just seem they're a lot bigger than on the East Coast. So, man, the waves sometimes were they were just a sight to behold. It was like seven, six to seven feet, and I remember being as young as seven years old, being out there in the waves, and and them crashing down with vengeance. And they're not, the waves are not interested or concerned with your feelings or need for air. They just have no feelings. <laughs> they, they, they come and they crash down on you. And it hits you. And it slams you down to the bottom of the sea. And you get scraped up. You suck in water. And you find out pretty quickly that the water is the ultimate equalizer. And no matter how tough you think you are, it will make you submit to its strength. And the more you fight against that wave and that water, guess what? <laughs> the more you find yourself at the bottom of the sea. The wave always wins. The water always wins. You can't have your mind wander or lose sight of your point of reference on the beach. Because if you do, you'll find yourself drift drifting. So you have to know your limits when you're out there in the water. Pride, I found out pride is the ultimate killer when facing nature. I once got caught up in a rip current and almost paid for it my, with my life. I remember I was, you know, actually several times, you know, once in, in San Diego and once when I was in El Salvador, caught and it just swallowed so much water and it felt like I was just coughing up water for, you know, several days. And that's the best way I can explain grief. It's a wave and the wave crashes unexpectedly with no remorse. And you can lose your way in it. You really can. And, when, and a lot of people that have been in the ocean, they know there's these rip currents. And the rip current 
in order to get out of it, you gotta you gotta swim parallel to the beach. So you know sideways, you can swim out of it. Okay, get out of the rip current, and then you can get back to to the land. But if you swim against it, you're gonna get sucked back out. Okay, so you can, you more you fight against that grief. It's the same way with those waves. They're gonna win. You gotta let grief run its course, and it hurts. And it's painful, but you gotta let it run its course. Like I said, we were in Puerto Rico um, a couple weeks ago, and just very, very cathartic time for me because I love the ocean and the smell of the ocean. And I was out there with my kids and teaching them some of these lessons I had to learn the hard way, and how you gotta have a swim buddy. You got to have someone that sticks by your side when you're out there. It's not wise to be out there alone. So you got to have a swim buddy. And that swim buddy stays with you. And they help you if you're drowning. And that's the same way it is in life with grief. You need a swim buddy. You need a grief buddy that can check in on you. Hey, how are things going? What's going on? Someone that you trust. I was playing with my son when we were out in the ocean. And, you know, he's four and he was having the time of his life, and he was playing in the sand, building sand castles. Then I'd take him a little bit out in the ocean, and, and when he was when he was down, in, you know, he had obviously had his little life life puddle jumper on, life vest, and um, when he was down facing these waves, they were only geez coming up to my knees. But to him, you know, he sees this wave coming in and he's like, daddy, daddy, daddy. And then I lift him up and he's able to look over and he's like, oh, that's not that big. And he'd say that every time. That's not that big. And that's about the perspective we have at times, right? That wave we keep, we see coming over us. But as we get deeper out there, you know, he saw even that was coming up, you know, now to my chest. And he was like, oh, man. And he started getting a little afraid, you know, but he had the time of his life and he, he, he loved it. And he, he said, daddy, you know, we were laughing out there and he, he just had, he's four years old, but he has, he has every now and then he has these, this profound, you know, little spurts of wisdom. And I love it. He said, daddy, when, when grandma passed, it felt like you got lost in the forest and I was never going to find you again. And I was like, wow, man, I got choked up and still get choked up thinking about it. Felt like you got lost in the forest and I was never going to find you again. And I said, you're right, son. You know, I, I felt like I, I did lose my way in that grief. Not that I was doing something stupid. That's not what I mean. Meaning that, yeah, you can get lost in that grief and that sadness and that depression and that loneliness and that anger and all those seven stages that we go through and that denial and I said, you're right, son. I, I did lose my way. But your love, buddy, your love found me. And he smiled and gave me a big hug. And man, that was just a powerful, powerful moment I had with him. I don't know what your grief is. But when the wave crashes, don't fight it. Remember, vulnerability is strength. Be faithful to the process. Embrace it and let love find you.
Well, that wraps up today's show, folks. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you or a loved one is struggling with depression or you have had suicidal thoughts, there's help for you. And I want you to know you are not alone. You can call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline open 24-7, 365 days a year. That number is 1-800-273-8255. Again, that number is 1-800-273-8255. For all you veterans out there who have served in the military or you're currently serving, there's an option for you. And you can click on that option and you'll be connected with a veteran just like you that can help you with some of the issues that you're struggling with. There's help and there's hope for you. You're valued, you're needed, you're loved. Always remember that. We just got a new shirt up on our website, as I mentioned in our intro. You can visit elevateindustries.com, click on the store tab from the drop down menu and purchase your shirt today. The shirt is called Be the Change You Wish to See. I feel if more people did this in our world today, we would not be seeing the problems that we're seeing. If you want change, remember, it always starts with you. 100% of the proceeds go to further this message of hope and help people with mental health, health issues all around the world. Until next time, this is Jason Maupin with Elevate Industries signing off.